Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 reminds us that all of us have the ministry of reconciliation to consider as Christians. We are to uh, allow the light of Christ shine in our hearts through our actions, and we are to be spiritually attractive. Our relationships with those that are around us ought to be intentional, hoping that our lifestyle, hoping that the way that we live would bring glory and honor to the Christ that we serve. In today's society, we are uh, living amongst uh, individuals who may be Christians or may not be Christians. And as um, individuals or Christians, believers that have been commanded to go forth and show uh, the light of Christ and preach the gospel, sooner rather than later, we'll come in contact with someone who have a different belief system, someone who doesn't share the same values as we do. And oftentimes, uh, those differences are based on culture, it's based on customs, it's based on how they were raised, the environment. And all of us need uh, assistance in making sure that we have a better understanding of those differences. So today I'm so excited to have as our guest uh, Professor Emeritus of Religion and Philosophy at Taylor University in Upland, Indiana, my my professor for one of my seminary classes. Uh, professor Wynn, how are you? I am fine, Perseus, and thank you for your invitation. It's an honor to be on your program this afternoon. Thank you so much. And we're going to get started uh, because um, you are the author of a book called Neighboring Faiths, a Christian Introduction to World Religions. And my question is, what was the motivation behind you writing this book? Well, it was like this, Perseus. I studied world religions because that was a part of my teaching load. I came in rather minimally prepared, actually. just had some classes in graduate school and so forth. But uh, I got to be pretty good at understanding what the book said. And then I started to take some trips. Mm. And I realized that a lot of times, whatever the books said was the center of Hinduism or Buddhism or Islam had little, if much of anything, to do with what the people were actually practicing. Really? There were always two sides to the religion, uh, the one that belongs to the, the priests or the philosophers and so forth, and what the people actually practiced. Mm. And uh, so I thought that something needed to be written along that line. Plus, at the time, there were not any books that had still been in print 
print that really gave a good comprehensive survey of world religions. And so, to my delight, uh, InterVarsity Press let me uh, write a book on that, and then at their insistence, I revised it a few years ago because a lot of things had happened over the last few years. So that was my my basic motivation for, for writing it, is to have a Christian book that uh, was much more in tune with the religion as practiced by the people, actually, than a lot of books are. Thank you so much. Um, of course, uh, I had to read it for myself as a requirement for your course. <laughs> right. Uh, and I enjoyed it thoroughly. I think it's very well written. It's, it's, it's simple enough for a lay person to uh, grab hold on to in terms of the information. And for those of you listening to us, I would recommend that you get this textbook in your library. My question, um, next question is, what is the relationship between culture and religion? Well, you cannot have a religion without a culture. And I suspect that uh, in uh, the minds of people, you really can't have a culture without some kind of a religious impulse either, but uh, we don't need to defend that here this afternoon. But uh, the culture is certainly always important in a religion, and uh, at times it gets extremely difficult to try to separate the two. I mean, whether you're talking about Hinduism or Islam or, for that matter, uh, let's just say uh, white suburban Christianity, I mean, you really can't tell oftentimes what, among all the things that the people believe and practice, is really just a part of their culture and uh, what is part of their religion. Now, in one sense, uh, speaking from a Christian point of view, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, Christianity, if we were practicing it the way that the early church did, we'd have to speak Greek, I guess. And, uh, there'd be uh, a lot of other aspects of the, the culture that we just could not relate to. So it's always important that uh, a religion or Christianity for us, be translated into the terms that a culture can understand and Mm. work with. But uh, the problem comes into play when the culture takes over, for Christianity that is, it's a problem uh, when the culture takes over and masks Mm. uh, the actual message. Mm. When I, as a Christian, look at other religions... Of course, it's their religion, and I can make demands on them. But at the same time, if I really try to learn about the religion, then I need to be aware of how the cultural aspects of the people's lives have influenced what they believe and how they have adapted things. So let's um, take it to the next step then. How can we as Christians, especially from a Western paradigm, learn to appreciate or even participate in other cultures without 
committing syncretism? That's not an easy question, as you know, or you wouldn't be <laughs> asking it. Uh, we don't want to commit syncretism, but it gets very difficult uh, in some places because it's just so much a part of the culture, uh, the religion, and people don't even know whether it's religious or culture. For them, it's just whatever they do. Right. So, uh, you know, some simple examples are, well, of course, the Apostle Paul talks about uh, food dedicated to idols. And... Uh, I don't know for how many people that's an issue. It has been for me for many years uh, when I've gone to other countries, visited temples or whatever, and particularly when I've taken students. And uh, we go to a Hindu worship service as observers, and we're invited to stay for lunch. And... uh, Lunch may be some really good Indian food. Mm-hmm. Some of it may have been placed before an idol. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, what do I do? What do I tell the students? And I tell them, first of all, don't do anything that you think is going to harm your conscience. Mm-hmm. So feel free not to eat, but we can also turn this into a testimony. Now, this has been kind of a a fun thing for me, uh, visiting, for example, a Hare Krishna temple. And I would have told the class in advance, this is what is going to happen and this is what I'm going to do. We observe their dancing and chanting, and then we're invited for dinner. And uh, I always always tell them, and as I said, I gave them notice in advance, tell the students so that the Hare Krishna people can overhear what I'm saying. So I'm speaking loudly. Now, you've got to realize that uh, this food was placed before the idol of Krishna, mm. But it doesn't mean anything. This is good food because Jesus made it. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so I I try to use that just a little bit as a testimony to what I believe so that uh, nobody's in doubt that even though I've brought a group there to learn that... uh, I have forgotten what side I'm on. (laughs) Now, I would never do that in Asia, okay, because there are people there whose very spiritual uh, subsistence, as it were, depends on making sure they take a very clear line there. Mm. Thank you for the testimony. Now, in the book, you use the term interreligious encounter, what is that? Well, that just means that two people who have different religions get together and talk about their religions. Now, it, it can be formal or informal. Uh, it could be evangelism. It could be something structured like a dialogue. 
you know, to have a, say, a panel. I used to do this when I taught at Taylor. I would bring in adherents of various religions and have a panel discussion with maybe a rabbi, an imam, uh, someone in Baha'i or something like that. Or it, it could just be my neighbor next door is a Buddhist, and I'm chatting with him over the garden fence, and uh, we're talking a little bit about religions. I mean, religious encounters can, or interreligious encounters can be many different things. The important thing, once again, is that uh, you know, we don't have to be aggressive, we don't have to be obnoxious, but, uh, you know, I always try to make sure as soon as is possible that I can talk extremely sympathetically about their religion. However, they will know very quickly that I believe that salvation is found only in our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. atonement for us. And, you know, uh, I can do that because I have learned how people function. Mm. If we go in defensively, then there's going to be arguments. But, you know, people like to talk about their religion. Mm. People, you know, they, they love their religion, I always say, as much as they love their grandchildren. Mm. I mean, it's just part of them, and if I don't come off as judgmental, but I show that I'm interested in listening to them, then you know they they want to know what I believe, and uh, you know I don't have to immediately talk of you know say to them, and furthermore, if you don't share my belief, you're headed for hell, but. I can just bring it up and uh, tell them in a uh, informal way that you know I really appreciate what you're saying there about reincarnations and so forth. But I need to tell you that uh, as a Christian, even though I try to understand what you're saying, I believe that. we have only one life, and uh, we need to make sure that we have uh, faith in Jesus Christ so that uh, we can be saved. Or something you know, informal like that. You know, I'm not reciting anything that anyone has written. I'm not going to bombard them with Scripture, but I just tell them, you know, this is my very simple faith. Uh, I'm a scholar, but uh, my faith, per se, is no different now than it was when I was an eight-year-old boy and asked Jesus to come into my heart. And that has never changed, and it couldn't ever change. Thank you. Uh, Those words are definitely uh, important in terms of building relationships with others and uh, just engaging in lifestyle evangelism, getting to know the person and listening to them, having them listen to us and being able to stay focused on the message of the gospel through the interaction. So I appreciate that. My next question is, 
In the book, uh, you assert that all religions come from God. Can you explain that? Uh, I'm not sure. I could not find the exact quote. And uh, I, I can tell you what I think I must have meant. If you have a quote, the page number there, that might help. But I think I understand. I remember what I said, and it wouldn't have been quite that way. Obviously, all religions do not come from God. Uh, I don't think that Hinduism or Buddhism or, you know, you name it, anything that is contradictory to God's Word at this point in time uh, can be attributed to coming from God. I think what uh, I meant to say, at least, is that all of religion originally comes from God, and then different religions went their own ways, Got it. departing from God. And uh, I, I think that's what we what you meant by your question, too, didn't you? Right. That's right. What, yeah. And, and I think that's really important for us to understand and hold on to, because that's certainly not the current uh, belief, nor, you know, nor will it ever be among unbelievers. They will always try to show that religion somehow had a naturalistic origin if I may mention, just recently I came out with a book entitled uh, In the Beginning God, in which I uh, very carefully pursue the uh, history of particularly the late 19th, early 20th century of the discussion there on the original monotheism, as that uh, it all began with God who revealed himself. So the way that... I see the biblical picture, and I think it can also be uh, supported on the basis of scholarship, is that at the very beginning of human existence, people knew God and began to worship God as they knew him, and uh, it was a pure monotheistic faith in God, and uh, it was not just a vague belief, but people recognized who he was, and they also recognized that uh, God had certain moral or ethical requirements on people, that they uh, would tell the truth and would... Uh, be true to their spouses, and uh, that they would uh, not kill each other, and so forth. I mean, this is long before the Ten Commandments or anything. I think that was part of the way that God had revealed himself right at the beginning. Mm. And I, I think that's uh, supportable by uh, various means, such as looking at societies and cultures that uh, still are not very highly developed materially, but uh, on the 
religious side of their culture still practice an ethical monotheism. Excellent, excellent. Professor Wynn, thank you so much for the, your wisdom and important that to us. Uh, we have been edified and helped by your responses to these questions, and I would love to have you on the show again. Uh, so thank you for making yourself available. Well, it's been great. I, I loved being able to answer your questions, and please don't hesitate to call on me again. We will be calling again, so thank you so much for uh, making yourself available. Okay, thank you, Perseus. Have a good evening. You too. That was Professor uh, Winfred Cordwine. He was an adjunct professor at Southern Evangelical Seminary, and he also taught at Taylor University in Upland, Indiana, and he's retired, but um, the Lord has blessed him to write numerous books, one of them being Neighboring Faiths, uh, A Christian Introduction to World Religions, as well as other books on religion and how we ought to look at it from a Christ-centered perspective. And my charge to you all that are listening to this show is that you start making evangelism a priority in your life. And we don't have to go outside of our homes. Let's first start with our homes. If you're a mother, your responsibility to your children. If you're a father, your responsibility to your children and your wife. And if you're a wife, your responsibility to your spouse. Let us be spiritually attractive. And oftentimes we say the right things, but we don't do the right things. And if we can just couple saying and doing, Christ will get the glory. So in terms of evangelism, let us first start at home. Let us live out the creeds, the tenets that Jesus himself has given us. And then when we go out to work or we go out to the community, let us be intentional in uh, praying the Lord gives us an opportunity to share the authentic gospel. And if he gives us an opportunity, we need to step up by the aid of the Holy Spirit, and do what he's asking us to do. For the world is not going to share the gospel. We as Christians have that duty to share the gospel. So if you're going to the grocery store, if you're going to um, the bank, if you're going to run errands, if you're going to worship, uh, stop and get gas, whatever it is that you're doing, let's be intentional in our approach. As always, uh, we thank God for the opportunity to interview uh, these various theologians and uh, authors. And please consider supporting Sound Reasoning Ministries. You can go to our website and donate www.srministries.org, www.srministries.org. May God bless you. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. 
Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. God looks at your heart, not your gene size. Do you know the verses yet still stress over your body? Oh, I get it. I was raised in church, but I struggled with food, eating disorders, and my body for decades. I'm Heather Creekmore, host of the Compared To podcast, where we talk about all things body image and comparison from a biblical perspective. We get real about the pressure to focus on appearance in a culture where looks seem to matter most. Whether you're wrestling wrinkles or battling the scale, Compared To Who is the show for you. You'll laugh a little and be encouraged a lot. If you're ready to stop comparing and start living, visit lifeaudio.com to listen and subscribe.